0: hey this is sean jensen the lead pastor here at Vale church and i'm so excited you chose to check out this message my prayer is that this message wouldn't just be full of information but that the holy spirit would produce transformation in your life so wherever and however you're listening today lean in and enjoy the message just in this moment of worship i may want to share something with some people in here maybe you came in here and you really feel like you're not worthy you're not worthy to bring praise because of what your week looked like. Maybe you've made some choices in front of your family and you're just kind of ashamed right now. just want to remind you as we come into this place, we're not worshiping because we're worthy. We're worshiping because Jesus is worthy. And no matter what you did this week, he still paid for it. And so you can get back up today and give him the praise and the worship he deserves. That's why we're here. So with eyes closed, if that's you, and maybe you were just holding back your worship, In this moment, I would love to pray for you that you would realize it's not what you have done this week, but it's what Jesus has done 2,000 years ago, why you can get back up today. So maybe if you're comfortable with eyes closed, you could just lift up your hands to heaven. You could say, this is my worship, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We thank you. Thank you for coming to the cross for our sins. Thank you for living a life we couldn't live. And thank you for paying our debt. Lord, when we messed up this week, (laughs) You still thought about us and you loved us and we're here to get back up. So no matter where we are right now, no matter what we have done, we need your grace. And Lord, we're coming and gathering, not because of our actions, but because of what you have done. And so Lord, we rise up today, a brand new day, a brand new start, and we thank you for that, Lord. It's in your name we pray, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's thank God one more time. So good, so good. Well, say hi to the person right next to you as you take your seat. Let them know you're glad they made it through whatever kind of weather that is. It is so cold out there. Glad that you came out. As you're finding your seat, let me introduce myself. My name is Sean Jensen, and I have the privilege of serving as the lead pastor here. And we have people joining us online. Can we welcome everyone joining us online in Florida, California. Okay, I'm done. I'm not even gonna mention those places because it's too warm there. I'm kidding, we'll keep going. Florida, California, Minnesota, North Carolina, Indiana, Tennessee, Iowa, Wisconsin, Arkansas, and all over Illinois. Let's welcome them one more time. That's a whole bunch of people. My goodness. I know you might be slightly bitter that they're at home on their couch while you're here throughout the cold, but we're glad that you made it. Uh, I'm going to point you towards the Veil app. If you don't have it, uh, you can download it at your app store. All of our message notes for today's message will be on there, as well as all of our events coming up. It's a great way to stay plugged in, but I also want to point you to the direction of a button that says the seven-day fast. Uh, Our church has an opportunity in this series talking about prayer that we are going to actually do a seven days of prayer and fasting between January 22nd and 28th. Now, if this is new to you, Listen, this is not a mandatory thing. We're not forcing anybody to do this. If you're like something that you're not gonna lean into, at least we're asking our church to be a part of the days of prayer as we pray collectively together for specific things in that time frame. However, I do also wanna introduce Fasting, maybe to some of you who've never thought about it, it is a benefit, it is powerful, and it's a spiritual discipline of Jesus. And we're gonna talk a little bit more about it next week, but there are resources on that app so that everyone can be prepared before it comes. We just wanna make sure those tools are in your hands because we are in a series called Power of Prayer, and we're in week two of that series because last week, We talked about how prayer still works. We actually believe that there's a God in heaven who still intervenes here on earth, and he can still do miracles. He's a powerful God. And so last week, we talked a little bit about how prayer works. This week, we're going to talk about how do we pray? (laughs) What does that look like? I'm new to church, or maybe you've been stagnant in your prayer life, or maybe you've been coming for a long time. I talked to someone last night who's been in church for 28 years, and they said today's message completely just changed the way I looked at prayer. So I'm praying, hopefully, maybe it might encourage you as well. We're going to be looking in the book of Matthew, who is a disciple of Jesus. Jesus is preaching his most famous sermon of all time called Sermon on the Mount. Lots of people are gathering. We'll talk about the audience a little bit later. Uh, In the middle of his most famous sermon, he actually covers the topic of prayer. And I thought maybe, just maybe, we shouldn't talk about how Sean thinks we should pray. Maybe we should learn from Jesus himself on how he thinks we should pray. And so this is what Jesus says in Matthew 6. He says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. They post all their good deeds on Instagram so they can be celebrated and lights. Oh, that was not—that was the wrong translation. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. It goes on to say, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And so now Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Now, maybe you've heard this before. Maybe you've heard someone repeat this or maybe you've memorized it, or maybe you're new to church and you've never heard this in your life. Wherever you are, we're glad that you're here. What we're gonna do is when I start, I would love for you to join in and read this section of prayer with me before we unpack it, you ready? Here we go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I know some of you are like, that wasn't the translation I learned it in. I get it. I get it. But we're going to take a moment to pray and ask God to, to unpack this for us. So Lord, help me uh, teach others how to pray. Uh, do something powerful here. We want to leave different, not the same. And we know We know, Lord, that you can do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, I'm gonna start by just telling you I had this awesome privilege. A year and a half ago, Gordon Ramsay was actually in my kitchen teaching me how to make a steak. Uh, The master chef himself was in my kitchen searing a steak in a skillet. Uh, I had him propped up on my stove. He was on my my iPad. YouTube's great. Anybody else watch YouTube? It's a master class. I'm sorry, that I trick you? Like, uh, you're still new. We don't know where you are. Now you know where I'm at. So uh, I had him on a master class just learning how to sear a steak. And what I think is interesting is in the 2024, we had this awesome privilege to literally be in contact with people who are great actors, philanthropists, historians, preachers, and speakers, and great thinkers. And we have them at the access of our fingertips. They literally are in our living rooms and our studies and our kitchen, and we are close to some of the people learning how they do the things they do. We just had a masterclass from one of the most talked about individuals, if not the most talked about individual in human history Jesus. Controversial, powerful, people still talking about him, the church is still growing, and we just got a masterclass on how Jesus, the Son of God, knows how to pray and he just taught us how to do the same. This isn't to be glossed over or looked over. Son of man, son of God, fully man, teaching us how we can connect with the God of the universe and how we can see him intervene here in our life. We just saw that moment. And so we're going to unpack this a little bit today and what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount so we possibly can have a framework for how we pray too. So my job today is not to teach you how Sean thinks you should pray. My job is to teach you how Jesus thinks we should pray. And I think if Jesus knows, he is pretty powerful. So I want to show you a scripture before we jump in that's going to give us a framework and a posture on how we enter into this subject. So Psalms 116, the psalmist says, because he, God, bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. This should be our perspective as we pray, because maybe you've been like me, where you think God is like up in a cloud going like this to you. Don't even think about it. Or maybe his back is turned to you. But I want you to see the God of heaven who created us, he's actually bending down with the ear waiting for you to pray to him. He's anticipating it. He's expecting it, and he loves when we talk with him. He loves relationship. This isn't just about a religion. This is about a relationship with the God of the universe, and Jesus came to restore that relationship. So as we continue on, just No, we have a God who's bending down in eagerness to talk with you. This is something I'm willing to have in your mind because it actually makes sense where Jesus goes. He says, first off, when it comes to prayer, I don't want you to be like the hypocrites in the synagogue. (laughs) The Pharisees and the religious teachers were part of the audience, so Jesus was throwing down right now. Like, they were like, what did you just say? He goes, you heard what I just said, right? Like, he's like, I don't want you to be like a hypocrite. People who literally go out and their heart motive is in the wrong place. I'd rather you find a private place. He's not against public prayer. That's not what it is. But the posture of our heart and the motive and why we pray. They were doing it for man's attention. So this word hypocrite. This word hypocrite, when you look at it in the Greek, it actually means a playwright. Which means an actor or an actress. Someone who's... Acting. Jesus is calling them a bunch of actors. Now, next month, the Academy Awards will be doing Oscar nominations, and I really enjoy movies. It's one of my favorite times of the year, and so I love to see who gets nominated and who's going to be best actor and best actress. But let's be honest, some of the best actor and actresses are in the church. (laughs) Why do you look at me like that? I know from time to time, I've been really good at acting. I can put on a mask. I know none of you have. But for me, sometimes I can come to church putting on an act. How are you doing today? Man, I am blessed. Life is good. If I ask your kids what happened on the way to church, they'll say something different. He says, we don't have to act before God. Why? Because he sees behind the mask anyways. He already knows where we are and who we are. And so he says, instead of getting man's attention, go pray a prayer in a closed room. Why? You might not get man's attention, but you have God's full attention. And when you pray in front of them, your reward is just the attention they give you. But when you pray to the God in heaven, your reward is that thing that you prayed for and that builds relationship. Can I convince you today that some of the most powerful prayers have only been heard by God? Because they were in private. He says, we can pray because he bends down and he's listening. You don't have to pray to get people's attention. God hears us. But then he says, and don't babble on like the pagans. He was actually teaching them that the pagans in that culture had different gods. And so they would say insincere prayers over and over and over and over over until they hopefully got their God's attention. Now, I can find myself praying some insincere prayers over and over and over and over. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just kind of repeating this now. Where's my heart at in this? And the reason he says this is because they would babble hoping they would get the attention of their gods, and they never showed up. And so Jesus is saying, you don't have to babble on like the pagans. Why? Remember, our God is already listening. From the first time that word leaves your lips, he is already listening. Actually, Scripture tells us he knows what's in our heart before we even pray it. The reason we pray is so that we can be in relationship and our dependence is revealed on God. So, because He bends down, we can find a private place and we don't have to babble on. We can be precise and to the point because God hears us. So, here's my question as we continue on Do you have a place to pray? Where is your place to pray? Jesus often would go to a wilderness. He would often go to a remote place. He'd leave his disciples high and dry, and he would go pray on a mountainside by himself. He would spend time with his father, Where is our place to pray? Maybe it's an office with a cup of coffee. That's mine. Maybe it's downstairs, or maybe it's in the living room once the kids go to school. Maybe it's in the car when you commute to school or commute to your job place. Maybe there's moments throughout the day where you have a space that you can pray. Maybe it's when you go hunting in hunting season. I know it's over now, but you're in the stand and you have time with God. What does that look like? I remember a time, like, Sean, I'm a mom. There is no time to pray. I hear you. I know the fingers are coming underneath the bathroom door like, Mom, where are you? Right? I remember a time in, in our marriage. with was my, my wife. She literally would go do her makeup in the bathroom, and then she would sit on the toilet, like on the top of it. This is don't think crassly. And she would do her God time in the bathroom because she was scared if she walked out, it would wake up our kids, and it would all start. So she would be like, I'm going very quiet. Like she went stealth on them, Right? Sometimes we just have to get creative. But my question is, where's our place to pray? Because in 2024, we're gonna find a place and we're gonna find a time and we're gonna watch the God of the universe answer prayers that only he knows about. That's what we're gonna do. So where's that place? Jesus says, find a place and find some time and let's pray. And then he says, and pray like this. So we're gonna look into the Lord's prayer as people would call it. And maybe you've memorized it and you've said it. And listen, the size of this prayer, it's crazy because this prayer, it's the size that able to be tweeted or, or X'd or whatever Elon Musk calls it now. I don't even know. But it's 140 characters, like, right? But yet you can use it for a lifetime. It was never meant just to memorize and say over and over, even though you can do that. It was actually a framework on how we were supposed to approach God in prayer. So, my goal the next 20 minutes is to unpack the Lord's Prayer with you line by line so you have a different perspective when you open yourself up in prayer. And I believe you, this framework will help you pray. It helps me every single day. So Jesus starts with our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. Now this shocked the audience because the moment he said this, you gotta remember, Jesus was the Son of God. He put on skin and bone, God in flesh, but he was connected with God as son, right? He was a child of God. Up until this point, the Pharisees, the religious teachers, in the nation of Israel only knew God as Yahweh or Elohim, or different forms of God. But what this meant was even though Moses or people had moments with God, he was far off, and he would protect us and be with us, but we really didn't have that intimacy with him. So the moment Jesus says, you can start prayer with this posture, my father, he says, you can have the intimacy I have with father. It was, a, it was a proximity thing. We can approach God as a father who cares for us and protects us and is with us and wants to hear from us. There's an intimacy level to that. Now, when we understand God as father, we now know that we are children, and it puts us in the right place of how to rely on God. Now, it might seem weird if I'm talking to some guys and maybe some women to be like, I'm a child of God, right? I'm a, ki- I'm a kid, he's my dad, right? It, it, it kind of seems a little childish. But, but let me just encourage you why it's important to be a child of God. My dad's name is Wade. If you did not know my dad, it would not be weird if I introduced you by saying, hey, I want to introduce you to my father, Wade Jensen. That wouldn't be weird. If you didn't know me, It wouldn't be weird if my father came to you and said, Let me introduce you to my child, my son, Sean. That shouldn't feel weird at all. It makes sense. Why? Because it's not about maturity, it's about identity. Jesus is trying to show us who we are and whose we are. And here's the cool thing about Wade I have access to Wade like many of you don't, he can pay for my dinner. He's got resources and relationship and things that I have with Wade most people in this room don't have. And so the moment Jesus says, hey, this same access I have with my Father, you're open to step into this as well. You have access, if you're in Christ, you have access to parts of God that many people don't have. And he says he's a good Father. He's a loving Father. He's a resourceful Father. He protects us. He guides us. And listen, he might even discipline us. But even when he disciplines us, it's for our good. Our Father is in heaven and so Jesus reminds us in Matthew 7 if sinful people, sinful fathers like myself know how to give good gifts to children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him It's a good picture. He's a father who wants to help us in this life and maybe you're here and you have a, a father figure who's non-existent or it was abusive or maybe let's just be honest, I'm a father every father on earth is flawed. The perfect father is God. And so no matter where you are on that wavelength, as we pray to our father, we learn what real fatherhood looks like. And he's a good God. So don't be fearful to approach him as father. And he continues on. He says, hallowed be your name. I saw this funny video this week where this girl shows up to her mom and she was showing this video and her, she goes, what'd you say to me? And the daughter said, did you know God's name is Howard's? I was like, Howard? She goes, yeah, says our father in heaven, Howard be his name. And I thought that was the funniest thing ever. I know it's cheesy, but it's great. Maybe it's not going to help you when you talk, pray next time. But the familiarity of Howard is different, but hallowed is actually a sacredness. And even though it's funny to hear that, now what Jesus is saying is, yes, he is intimate. Yes, he is close, but don't forget he is Holy. Yes, he is father, and yes, he is close, but he is still set apart, and he is sacred. That's why when we come in places like this, we shouldn't grow familiar with God. There should be a healthy fear. The word fear means reverence, that he is still big. He is still set apart, and he is still holy. So I'm going to approach him as father, but I'm going to worship him as God. That's what he's saying. So when we open up into how it be your name, what we are doing is we're changing our perspective and we realize as I start praying, I'm first gonna say, here is my identity. I'm a child of God. And now I'm gonna give God thanks. Here's how I start prayer. I'm a child. And now I'm gonna take time to thank God. I remember I was at a gas station a while back, and as I was there, this guy nodded at me to say hi. I didn't know him, and so I didn't know if he was nodding at me or the person behind me, and so I almost ignored the fact because I thought maybe it was like past that time. It was awkward, and as I almost ignored him, which isn't right in the first place, I saw his hat was a a veteran's hat and that he fought in Vietnam, and so I was raised that any time I see anyone wearing a veteran's hat, you gotta stop what you're doing, and you pay your respect, and you thank them for laying down their life for your country, that's how I was raised. I just celebrate people who write their name on the dotted line because that still takes courage. And so I was raised that way. So the moment I saw it, I realized, oh, this guy's different than me. Why? Because he's laid his life down for this country. And so what does he deserve from me? Thankfulness, respect. And so I says, hey, sir, I just saw your hat. I wanna let you know I appreciate you. Thank you so much for what you've done. What brought the thankfulness? I realized he was different, Can I remind you today how God is different in our life? He is set apart and he is holy and we are called to be like him. But beyond that, because we were sinners, separated from his holiness, he brought Jesus to die and pay our debt so we could be brought back in relationship, so we could be in the presence of God. And when we realize Jesus laid his life down for us, that God gave his only son, we respond then. Worship. We respond in thankfulness. We respond saying, Lord, thank you so much for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that even though I don't deserve to be preaching a message on this stage because I know my failures, I know what I have done, somehow, way, I still have your grace and mercy to use me in any day of my life. You begin to thank God for the blessings in your life, the family in your life, and you open up in prayer with thankfulness. See it? Our Father... Thank you so much for what you have done. He continues on. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So remember, there's a kingdom of God and there's a kingdom of darkness and they're at war on earth. But he says, we want God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. This one is tough because we have a will and God has a will. The Anglican Bishop Richard Trench said, prayer is not getting man's will done in heaven but getting God's will done on earth. It is not overcoming God's reluctance, but laying a hold of God's willingness. Oh man, look at this. Prayer is not me getting my will into heaven. It's me saying, God, what is your will here on earth? Man, when Jesus saved us, he did not just save us so we would go to heaven someday. He saved us so we could get heaven here today. He did not just save us so that we would get there one day. He saved us so we could infiltrate spaces and places, our schools and our workplaces and our conversation. He says, I want you to bring a little bit more of heaven to earth. And so when we pray, we thank him for what he has done and we say, Lord, how do you want to use me today? Because I got plans today and I got a will today and I got some revenge that I want to take today and I got some posts that I want to post today and there's some things I want to do today and maybe they're good or maybe they're right. But before I do those, what is your will? What is your will? Jesus himself, the night before he went to the cross, said, Lord, I don't really want the suffering, but not my will, your will be done. We have this battle constantly going within us. And what are we going to do? We're going to say, God, what does it look like to bring heaven to earth? Now, people ask this question, what is God's will for my life? This is a big big question. When you ask people what they want to learn about in church, one of them is what is God's will for my life? And it's really easy to say, God, what is your will for my life? And I think it's important that we know our calling. I think it's important that we know why God's put us on this earth. But when we ask that, I just kind of want to challenge us. Instead of maybe asking God, what is your will for my life? Maybe we just say, What is your will for this moment? (laughs) What is this, what is your will for this conversation? What is your will for this day at work? What is your will for this company? What is your will for this weekend at church? What is your will with this conversation with my daughters at the table? What is your will here in this moment? Because I promise you, if you invite God's will into every moment, you'll find out the will for your life. What is your will today? Now, if you're here and you're like, Sean, but that doesn't really clear things up. Okay, I'm gonna tell you what your will is. You ready for this? I promise you, I, I, I can tell you wholeheartedly what your will is for your life. You're like Sean. That's a pretty bold statement. I don't. It's not from me. It's from Scripture. Literally, Scripture tells us what our will is. Here it is. 1 Thessalonians. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is everyone. Help me out. God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And I'm just going to make sure you see this right here. It's right there in Scripture. I think it's. I think it's easy. Let's. If you're anything like me, we ask for God's will, and we're like, oh, what's your will for my life? And then we hear that, we're like, yeah, I don't like that, though. (laughs) And I know there might be, like, business starting, and what this looks like, and all that, but but I think so many times we're focusing on this big idea of what God's will is, and he's saying, just start here. Start where? Rejoice always. That's tough. I'm not minimally, like, limiting what you're going through, but he says we can always rejoice, Pray continually, just continue it up, and give thanks. This is the worst part. In all circumstances, good, bad, mountaintops, valleys, give thanks. I'm going to break it to you. This will take me a lifetime in itself to get right. I constantly have to remind myself, Sean, it's time to rejoice. Man, I don't feel like rejoicing right now. I know you may not feel like it, but faith is not feelings. You need to step up and you need to rejoice. I don't want to pray continue right now. I'm upset. I'm mad. I don't want to pray for those people. They hurt. I know, but let's pray continue because as you pray, you're inviting guidance into the situation. Give thanks in all circumstances. It's easier to complain. I'm a certified professional complainer. Not here, but maybe at home. I heard someone tell me once, if you can complain, you can pray. Just direct your complaining towards God. It's like, dang. (laughs) So what's my will? It's to rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. And trust me, when we begin to work on this, we will see us walk out the will God has for our life. Why? Because when we rejoice and pray and we thank God in all circumstances, I promise you, you will see heaven infiltrate your earth. And that's what he wants to accomplish. Not your will be done, or not my will, but your will be done on earth as it is heaven and give us our daily bread. So now we've, our father in heaven, we've worshiped, we thanked him for everything. We say, Lord, your will first. And now he says, this is the moment you can petition. This is the moment. You can bring your request to God. This is the moment you can talk about what you're anxious about and if you need anything. I'm not gonna unpack this a lot because we talked about it last week, but this is the moment you can bring your request to God. He wants to hear them. If it is on your heart, it's on God's mind. If it's something you're going through, he wants to hear about it. Don't hesitate. Just bring it to him. And he continues on. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, it says give us our daily bread, which means... Jesus wants us to pray this daily, every day. And then he says this, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's shocking. This shows me that every single day we are going to need forgiveness in our life. It also shows me we're gonna need to offer forgiveness in our life. And if you don't understand that yet, just have kids. Because not only sometimes can we need to ask for forgiveness, (laughs) they can be so mean sometimes. But beyond kids, you're like, oh, this is for people outside the church. Sometimes the people we get hurt most by are the people inside the church. And so Jesus is teaching us, let's ask for forgiveness ourselves, and then let's forgive others. Think about this. If you're anything like me, it's really easy to find everybody else's faults, right, instead of mine. Like we walk around with a magnifying glass and God says, pick up a mirror. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh, I see them. Why are they worshiping? I know what they did this week and I know what you said and I know what you were. I saw you at that place last night. You were there too, don't forget, right? Like I was, and we're looking at everybody else's faults and yet he says, hey, start with forgiving us. Start by looking inward. He's like, it's me, hi, I'm the problem, it's me. That's what he's saying. And when you realize, by God's grace, thank you for his grace, when we realize that we have faults of our own and we bring them before God, what does it do? It makes us sensitive to his grace. It reminds us of his love. It reminds us that if we were forgiven, now guess what? We can offer forgiveness. So start internally and realize, man, if God forgave me, Lord give me the strength to forgive them. If you're having an issue and maybe you don't follow Christ right now and you're trying to figure out how to forgive someone, I have a really good way on how to do it. It might not be easy and it doesn't minimize the fact of what happened to you, but hear me out. If someone has done you wrong, I'm learning stop focusing on the thing they did to you and start focusing on what God did for you. He forgave me in the midst of my sins. He forgave me when I was running away from him. He forgave me and he hung on that cross. And what were the words Jesus said before his final breath? Forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And maybe that hurts right now because you know who you need to forgive and it feels so much better to hold a grudge. But I promise you, freedom is on the other side of your forgiveness because it was on the other side of Jesus' forgiveness for us. So he says daily, Don't let bitterness take over your heart. Daily, let the debt go. Daily, Jesus, you paid my debt. Let me get rid of the debt that was held against me. And let me get rid of the debt that I'm holding against them. And then he says, and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. You see how he covers everything? Like you can just sit as bullet points in your private place and begin to pray these things. Not only did you ask for your needs, but now you're forgiving. You're keeping your heart pure before God. You're, you're coming and approaching his presence. And then he says, hey, <laughs> this culture, there's gonna be a lot of things that are gonna try to tempt you into convincing you that this is better, that, that this thing is good. I call them baited hooks. It looks good on the outside, but there's a hook underneath of it. The thing on the outside looks enticing. The thing on the outside looks good. And by the way, if anyone ever tells you sin's not fun, they're not doing it right. (laughs) It might be fun for a short time, but the pain that comes after is far worse than the fun that came before it. And it hooks us. And when we walk with Christ, we realize that the thing that looks enticing might be the thing that can hurt us and so what does he say he's like there's an evil one out there and listen the evil one has a will too and he wants to ruin our lives he wants to distract us from purpose he wants to cause division in our marriage and so he says before you end ask that we won't be led into temptation God doesn't take us into temptation he says he guides us in these situations and deliver us from the evil one because he's out there and he's tempting and it's tough Now listen, temptation is not sin if you're going through temptation. I tell my kids all the time, temptation's not sin until it wins. I know you're angry right now, and that's fine. We can talk about that. But once you smack your sister across the face, (laughs) we gotta have a whole nother conversation, right? So Jesus, at the end of his life, before he goes to the cross, he's praying in the garden. He has his disciples with him. And they fall asleep when he wants them to pray with him. So he wakes them back up. And when he wakes them back up, he gives this statement to them. He says, keep, watch, and pray. Keep, watch, and pray. So that you will not give in to temptation. Think about this. This is one of the final things Jesus is going to tell his disciples. And you want to make sure that at the end of your life, you say the most profound things. And what does he say? watch. And pray. And just don't pray when you're in the middle of temptation. Maybe watch and don't put yourself in the temptation. Watch and pray so that you won't give into it, because it's going to be there. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He says, "You know what happens with prayer? The thing about temptation is temptation entices the body, but prayer energizes the spirit." And scripture says that if you're in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. And Jesus Himself was on earth and He went through temptation. We see it through scripture. He was tempted in the desert and He did not sin. And the same Spirit in Christ, He says, lives in you. So when your body feels weak this week, and when you're exhausted because the kids were up all night, and when you are exhausted because you cannot go another day feeling hurt by your boss, and when you're exhausted, because you want to lash out. And when you're exhausted and you want to make that poor choice and that thing seems enticing, remember there's a spirit in you that wants to help. He's there to help. And so he says at the end of this prayer, I want you to remember that you would ask for God's help every single day, that you would rely on the spirit. You know, I pull into my garage after I come home from work. I have to move from work to Home life, and I have to convince myself like, oh Lord help me to respond right help me do this I have a moment where I pray in the car before I go in the house because I'm going to be tempted to raise my voice I'm going to be tempted to stop the conversations too quick I'm going to be tempted to be unkind to my wife because of the environment and I remember one day someone led me to this they said Sean maybe instead of praying that you wouldn't be tempted maybe just remind yourself your kids are going to scream when you get home there is gonna be the opportunity for you to get upset. Like, you're not gonna change that, it's gonna happen. Maybe instead of focusing on what you need to do, be prepared for when it happens. And so instead of asking that the situation would change, I said, Lord, can you help me that when this happens, could you give me the words to say and the patience I need? Why? Because the Spirit is willing to help. God wants to end the end of prayer knowing that when you leave, whatever you just prayed, when you walk through this life, you have a spirit who's willing to walk with you, who's willing to guide you, and who's willing to strengthen you. And he can. And so our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have a debt against us. And lead us not into temptation, but save us from the evil one. In 2024, can I convince you today? Instead of being led, instead of being driven by ambition, let's be led by the Spirit. And how are we led by the Spirit? We find a place to pray. And we pray the Lord's Prayer as a framework to build us up so we can step into the places and spaces that God wants us for 2024. That's how we're going to have a really good year. Doesn't mean it's not going to get hard. God will lead us through it. Doesn't mean there's not going to be situations that come up. God will be there with us. But I believe this right here will help us continue to move through 2024 and see God's best in our life. And maybe you're here and you don't have a relationship with God. And you're like, Sean, I don't have that spirit living within me. What does that look like? Well, if we are separated from God, we can't have that spirit. But if you put your trust in Jesus, the penalty has been paid on the cross. He rose from the grave. You can put your trust in him. He makes you a new person. He fills you with God's spirit and you can now approach God as father. If you want God as Father today, we're gonna pray a prayer right now for you to do that. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for everyone here. I pray, Lord, as we learn to pray that we would not be driven by ambition, but led by your Spirit. And if you're here today and you want to call God Father, you wanna become a child of God, you have to do it through faith. Not works, not praying harder, not having a better church attendance, even though those things are important. The only way for the relationship to be restored between you and God was the payment on the cross, the bloodshed of Jesus Christ and us putting our trust in him. Scripture says, if you believe that in your heart and you confess it with your mouth, you will be saved. If you want God as father, the spirit living within you, here's the prayer you can pray right now between you and God. You say, Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for loving me in spite of my sin. Thank you for sending your son to die for me. Jesus, I believe you paid my debt. I believe you died on the cross and three days later you rose from the grave. And I believe the same spirit that rose you from the grave is a spirit you can fill me with. And so I ask that you save me today. I put my trust in you and I ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit to be in my life, to begin to produce the life that Jesus lived so I can bring more heaven to earth. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope this message challenged you, encouraged you, and most of all, brought you closer to a loving God who wants nothing but the best for you. If you have any questions about taking next steps in your faith journey, simply text NEXT to 309-777-0677. Everyone has a next step, and here at Vail, we would love to walk alongside you. If this message was impactful to you, we encourage you to share it. To stay connected to everything Veil Church, feel free to subscribe. Visit our website at Veil.church, and follow our socials on Instagram and Facebook. Lastly, for all of those who call Vail Church home, let's remember, worship faithfully, connect intentionally, give generously, and serve sacrificially. We'll see you next week.